This is Sunday recap of our weekly sermon podcast where we talk about life and faith based on uh, off of our sermon this past Sunday. For sermon recordings and more podcasts, visit begrace.org forward slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. And I'm Elliot, and we have Dave, and we have Kendrick. Hello. <laughs> now we we don't have our traditional uh, guests, our traditional pastors, uh, Pastor Jim, Pastor Chris, and Pastor Joy, who are out. I don't know what they're doing this summer, but I'm pretty sure they're having fun. Maybe on some beach in Padre Island, but who knows? <laughs> so you have the B team here, and we're gonna try our best to be the A team, um, the best, <laughs> the best we can. But hey, I, I'm I'm thankful that um, we get to be a part of this. So thank you, Pastor Dave, for having me and Kendrick um, do this. And so I guess we'll just start right right with talking about your sermon. Um, you just started this new yeah. series about mm-hmm. the about the king, the stories of the king, and why mm-hmm. how timely this is um, that you get to discuss these stories because that gives us the opportunity to hear and then imitate. So um, yeah. so thank you for for I guess for the law and the Holy Spirit to lead you in that direction. So this past Sunday you talked about the king heals. Man, the mm. King Hills. So can you tell us um, a little bit about, I guess, like what made you choose the stories from Luke 8 and um, the big idea mm-hmm. that you wanted to wanted us to leave with? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, typically we do expository sermons, which is we just say, we're going to pick a book and study through the book. And then often kind of little seasons in between we'll do topics, you know, maybe holidays. We might address things, right? We might address a topic on like Martin Luther King Day or Sanctity of Life mm. Sunday or Christmas time. We might focus on the birth of Jesus and, you know, do topical things here and there. Uh, a lot of times in the summer, it's a big transition. So sometimes we'll do like core value sermons in the summer as well. Mm. Um, and we were rolling through an expository series, like a series on First Corinthians. We'd started mm. the first chunk, first four chapters were about unity. And that was really good timing for us with all, all the division right now kind of lay a foundation of what is unity and then the middle section like roughly first corinthians 5 through 10 lots of adult content about sexual immorality Mm. and because the coronavirus we're still doing all these like family together meetings and i just thought you know that's not i i i liked to have my kids in for those hard sermons when i had kids but i don't want to make that decision for every family (laughs) that makes sense I want to give those families a little more wiggle room. So, you know, let them bring those things up when they're ready to bring them up. So we said, okay, let's, let's bump first Corinthians for a while. And because we got families in, man, let's, let's focus on telling stories. You know, uh, that's a basic skill with your little kids. You know, when your kids are growing up, you guys, your, your babies are, are not quite talking yet, but you know, as they start talking, like before they can read and write, you'll be talking and telling stories and listening to stories and they'll be telling you stories. And so, it's just a fundamental human skill for learning the word. Uh, and I just wanted us to work on that as a, as a body. So that's mm. a good family skill, but it's also a good adult skill. You know, we just, we hear the word, we tell it back to each other. Mm. Um, so then that, that got me on, all right, let's do Jesus stories. You know, we don't, we don't want to have the um, extra layer of confusion of trying to interpret the Old Testament. We've done that other times. We'll come back to it again. But I was just like, let's keep it simple. You know, like in such crazy times, let's just talk about Jesus. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And we were doing a story time with the Jesus Storybook Bible. So I just looked through the Jesus Storybook Bible and I grabbed, I'm like, which stories are they telling? You know, they're like 20. And I grabbed 
whatever, 12 of them to fit. Um, so we're just kind of hopping through the stories of Jesus uh, with matching stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible so that parents, if they want, can read those at home with their kids. Um, so that's a long answer, but <laughs> I think it just helps give a little philosophy, like how we do things as a church. We're, we're all about expository preaching, but we're not like legalistic. You have to only study books in order no matter what, you know, like right. that, that's our bread and butter. And then we also like do topical things. And this is still, in a sense, it's still expository. My old mentor, yeah. Gary DeSable, used to say, even when you're doing topical, you can do expository topical. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, Elliot and I have talked about that. Last time you preached for Southern mm-hmm. Hills, I think you did that. It was like a one verse sermon. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Second oh, Corinthians 3. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. One verse. And you did a great job. Yeah. The, for those of y'all watching in internet world or listening on audio podcasts, go check out Elliot's uh, Southern Hills sermon on facebook mm-hmm. did a great job that was a great example of sometimes when people preach one verse they mangle it because it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a diving board for them to talk about whatever they want to <laughs> but, you know what I mean? but you did it really well that was a good example i thought of like this is the main verse we're talking about but you mm-hmm. kept drawing on second mm-hmm. corinthians and you know Other the ideas, stuff paul yeah. was saying all around that verse and mm-hmm. um so anyway i'm i'm rambling now so we're on <laughs> eight kendrick i just blabbed too much you have anything to say about <laughs> preaching yeah I, I was gonna add that elliot did a great job too using jonah to teach on evangelism oh yeah yeah, um, yeah I like that. when he did it here yeah so uh that was a yeah. cool thing too i yeah. typically like expository preaching because mm. I think it leaves less room for error and in interpretation. Mm. But I agree with what you're saying that uh, even with topical mm. preaching, you can still do it in an expository way. I know um, uh, a lot of times when we are, are evangelizing mm. to our community, um, mm. I think like Romans Road is a good, is a good tool to use. Mm. But also, um, depending on who I'm talking to, I may flip back and forth between... Uh, a couple of different scriptures, but be it all being about Jesus, being yeah. about how we need a savior, how we're sinners, how he died for us. So, mm, mm, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Expository preaching is definitely keeps your left and right limits <laughs> going. Uh, but, but topical can be tricky because, uh, you know, because you have so much material and you're trying to figure out like, what exactly do you want to say and keep it in context? So, uh, I've loved how you, you know, have you done this and um, definitely Luke 8 because it was what three different, I think three different stories, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was like yeah, three they kind of go together, but, but yeah, but they're all bound together. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really it's a really cool picture of storytelling mm-hmm. the way Luke puts so, it together here. So what was the big idea? I guess if you bring all of them together, what was the big idea that you wanted us to leave with? I know you have the title. So is that yeah. kind of what you wanted us to uh, to walk away with? Right. Well, I think. I think of it like concentric circles. So the king heals that, you know, that's kind of maybe a big picture that can be vague. And mm-hmm. as you move out in concentric circles, like uh, I wanted to address an issue that we struggle with as, as gospel loving people, how the gospel relates to our good works or how the gospel in the sense of caring for people's eternal souls also translates then into us caring about people's temporal condition Mm. and so you kind of use the phrase left and right limits there's this thing that i think the evangelical church has struggled with a lot over the years is falling off the ditch on either side like prosperity gospel is making it all about here and now you know Mm. god wants you to be rich god wants you to be happy god wants you to be healthy you Mm. know and like that's the only story and you're like no he 
he wants you to pick up your cross <laughs> and follow. Yes, you know what I mean? yes, yes. But the other yes. side is the is the poverty gospel, mm. which is like God wants you to be miserable. God wants you to suffer. God, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like no, that that's yeah. a little off too. You if know, and, if you buy a car, man, you you might be going to hell, man. I'm just right. right. So <laughs> I joke. I I have these nice uh, Chaco sandals I just got a few months ago. Oh wow! I go to this like specialty store with arch supports because I've had bad feet my whole basically since I was a teenager. And so I have to get these special inserts and they had these Chaco sandals on sale. I'd never bought a pair, but I bought them. So now every time someone sees my sandals, they're like, Ooh, those are nice. And I'm like, but I got them on sale. Goodwill. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's this funny thing. I've exactly. Noticed. I don't know if y'all ever see this. Maybe, I don't know if this is more of a white thing, but I noticed this in the Christian circles I run in, like having to justify if you buy a nice thing. Oh, like, well, that's definitely well, in the black community. That's, that's definitely not, okay. Listen, listen. No, 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 no. That's it's not a white thing. No, no, that's no, no, that's. No. I, I would probably say it's probably more of a black thing because okay, okay. <laughs> because in our oh, yeah. in our black church, let me tell you something. If me and Kendrick was pastors, I don't know if I could drive Tish car because it could. Uh, it no, would, uh, you could not. I couldn't. Could I probably not. and I probably okay. wouldn't drive Tish car even though I got it on sale. Cause, yeah, uh, cause yeah. our girl Ayana at Freedom uh, uh, Jeep. Hey, shout out yeah. to Ayana if you if you listen, go Love. check her out. She she <laughs> good at Freedom Jeep. But anyway, so she hooked us up. But I would have to explain this. How did I get a Beamer for this? For you know, so I wouldn't even drive it because it would automatically insinuate that oh, oh you may be robbing a church. So hey, so yeah, yeah we, we get it. Okay, well I feel that tension. Man. Every time I have a nice thing, I feel bad about it. You know, oh, which is kind of that's kind of poverty gospel. You know, so yeah, yeah. we we bounce between. Those two extremes. So anyway, <laughs> I was trying to focus on the big idea that like Jesus heals mm-hmm. and his main purpose of coming to this earth was to live a perfect life, die a sacrificial death, rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And that is to reconcile us to the father. But there's a second and third order effect of of transforming this world of love and grace and like paradise. You know, like if you think back to the garden metaphor and the original purpose, God said, you know. Go and have dominion and fill the earth. And basically God's saying, here, I'm put, putting you in paradise. The rest mm-hmm. of the world's a wilderness. Spread paradise to the rest of the world. That's mm-hmm. our job as Christians, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. I think as Christians, we're always bouncing between those. You know, like, wait, should I just preach the gospel? Mm-hmm. But not but not help the poor? Or wait, should I just help the poor? Because that's what really matters. And then I forget to preach the gospel. You know, so like people bounce between those things. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. we... It's hard. It's hard to talk about. It. Yeah. So, Kendrick, uh, as the listener, brother, like, how do you how do you take all those things in as far as like uh, the King Hills and kind of his last point about this that dichotomy that we live in about preach the gospel or do good works as if they don't go mm-hmm. hand in hand? How, how do you how do you feel about that? Uh, it's tough. It's, it's tough to hear and it's tough to try to live out, because I think in Scripture, we're given so much of. The gospel from Jesus. We're given so much of like put our hope and faith in Christ, um, right. which is I think the primary thing that we need, especially now in these times. But I think it's it's almost heresy to try to model a life after Christ. You know, something that <laughs> mm-hmm. he would do. Like he befriended sinners mm-hmm. and uh, ate with them too. To, yeah, mm-hmm. to to do that because there's no explicit scripture that kind of says hey, go befriend the sinner, mm. uh, then it gets a little tricky on, okay, like, how far do I go with them? Do I allow them, you know, do I want to be seen with them in public? Uh, how do I yeah. classify this sort of evangelism going into this place, you know, this thing? So I think 
as a listener, man, it's hard to hear because I'm I'm convicted that I should share the gospel and I should um, seek to like uh, for what you were saying, seek to help uh, heal mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. But I think I think having the balance of it, man, is is tough because, like I said, there's we have a ton of in scripture uh, where we should put our faith and who we should trust and hope in. And uh, I think trying to model a life after Christ, for me, looks like, uh, did Jesus do this? You know, without trying to preach that over the pulpit and make it my own theology, mm-hmm. but and somewhat trying to, I really dislike that term. What would Jesus do? But in a way, oh like, man, yeah. Yeah. pretty good phrase. That's a good, yeah. yeah, that's a good phrase. Yeah. It, it could have been taken in a cheesy way, but it, 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 yeah, yeah, it definitely can. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I think what's helped what's helped me out is uh, is I've always had this phrase that your life teaches theology or your life preaches the gospel. So mm-hmm. people, your your the way you respond to the world literally preaches the gospel. When they see your life, they should see how Christ lives. Um, and so if we model that, I mean, he didn't have a separation of like gospel and and like healing people or caring for people. There was no separation in that. Like it was, it's yeah. like, in fact, his 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 works actually authenticated his message. So it's like, we should be doing the same thing. Like our our life should actually authenticate the message and, and add validity to it. But if we don't have, if we're not doing those things, it's almost like it's a cheap gospel. It's like, yeah, you're saying this, yeah. but you're not really doing it. So, so Dave, you offer some good you offer some good books. Uh, Tim Keller's uh, Generous Justice and. John Perkins, Justice Rolled Down, which is a great book. Uh, both of them are great. And then Anthony Bradley. It's the first time I ever heard you mention this one, um, mm-hmm. ending over criminalization and mass incarceration. And you've talked about a praying life before. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like how those books actually impacted you as um as yeah. a as a white pastor who who desires to integrate and desires multicultural um, church? Yeah. Like how did yeah. this actually impact you when you yeah. read these? So- uh, generous justice was really helpful for me. Keller does this thing that's really helpful of, of kind of like triangulating, you know, like the gospel's not liberalism, the gospel's not conservatism, mm-hmm. the gospel's the gospel, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. It's its own exactly. thing. And uh, I posted a, on my Facebook page a while back um, a sermon by Miles, what's his name, McPherson? Miles McPherson? I don't know if y'all saw it. Yeah, I think that's his name, Miles McPherson. He did a sermon called The Third Option. And he used, I should say sermon. It was really a book talk. It was a Christian conceptual. It was a very topical sermon. It wasn't really expository, yeah. but he did jump off of really well this whole thing with Joshua. And when Joshua is going, you know, to like conquer, uh, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And Joshua's mm. like, whose side are you on? <laughs> He's like, I'm on, I'm on the Lord's side. Lord side. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so he, I thought he did a good job of, of talking through that concept that, of this like otherness of God that we, we do the best we can in our world to work this out. But God is on his own side, right? And then mm. we're just doing the best trying to follow behind what we see God doing. And yeah. so Keller, I think, works that out well in Generous Justice. There are two Hebrew words for justice. Uh, Zadik and Mishpat. And Zadik is more of the like perfect right and wrong. It matches up a little more, you know, we need to be careful because it's not a perfect 
match up, but it matches up a little more with the concerns of conservatives of like private morality, Mm, individual justice. Yeah. Like doing justice on your own. Yeah. 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 Being right, being holy. And then Mishpat is more of like the rights of the poor watching out for those who Mm -hmm. don't have a voice. And, and so sometimes that's translated like the rights or what is due to them, but it's another word for justice. And so Mm. that's more of the liberal conception in our culture of justice. Wow. So we actually have both of them. Nice. Yeah. He's like, both of these (laughs) conceptions are there. Obviously you don't want to just say, so take the liberal and conservative and put it in a blender, you know, like you want to go back to the Bible (laughs) and see what the Bible says. But but he does a good job just kind of like digging at those and saying, Hey, like there are these broader views of justice in the old Testament. Let's think it through. Um, So anyway, that book is really helpful in, kind of exegeting that and then looking mm-hmm. at that at culture. The the book by Perkins is really helpful, I think, particularly for whites that that were not exposed to injustice. And so people my age, I'm forty seven, so basically I was born into the aftermath of civil rights in America, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of my white public school teachers taught us about bad things happened, but we fixed it. It's over now. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so it was kind of a simplistic Civil rights movement settled that we've moved on, which is, I think, part of the confusion now. So now, you know, we're a generation later. I don't know how you count generations, maybe two generations. Uh, later well, now. well, a generation and a half into after yeah. civil rights. Yeah. So the people are like, like what are you years. talking about? We solved all these systemic problems with that legislation in the 60s and, and uh, yeah. it's done now. And so I think <laughs> reading Perkins' book helps you see like, he lived through this. This is what it's like. And it helps you see how like the the chaos and the tentacles of it are still spreading out into our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. It does. Um, it does. So anyway, I think it's just exposure to history, understanding it. Because I think a lot of times folks like me grew up and, you know, maybe had black friends but didn't live in a black neighborhood. Or, you know, had heard some things about mistreatment from my parents but didn't hear it the same way, you know, like someone whose parents, if you were black, lived through that mystery. You know, I'm like, Mm. those are two different views. Like Mm. a a white person saying, yeah, that was too bad. I'm glad it's over versus a black person growing up hearing like, yeah, I I was beaten. And, Mm -hmm. you know, telling their grandchild or their child, this is what went down. Mm. Those are two different perspectives. So anyway, I I just think it's really helpful to hear an evangelical Bible believing black minister explain how that all went down. Um, And then the, uh, Anthony Bradley book, I think is helpful for, to me, policing and prison reform is the big thing I see as, as a systemic problem today. And I want to be real careful about my words. (laughs) I think it's a broken system. I got you back. I don't think it's always overtly (laughs) purposefully racist. I think a lot of times we have a broken system because of our racist past has like sucked in this kind of uh, it's kind of continued to victimize blacks. Mm-hmm. I think Bradley's thesis is we hate poor people most of all, and kind of secondarily, our society hates black people mm. because you know. So it's like yeah. he's like it's really it's really more complex. So he's he's one of these nuanced people that's like conservatives have a point, liberals have a point. But man, we got to fix this. Here are all the problems, and he digs into the research, and yeah. so I think he's helpful. For a church like ours, where we're trying to say, let's hear both sides of the issue, 
to say, okay, well, here are both sides of the issue, but man, it's messed up. Well, we right. we got work to do. Um, yeah. I would, anyway, I would I think, agree with that. Yeah, I think I think it's like a system that may not currently have explicitly racist laws. You know, I think that's what confuses a lot of white people. You look at the laws and you're like, that's not a racist law. That's just a law. You know, that's just a, a tough on crime yeah. law. But yeah. it has a trickle-down effect of being harder on the black community, I think, because of a history of racism. You know, so it's like, anyway, it's, it's yeah. complex. It's, it's, com- it's, it's complicated. And I guess, you know, for I guess for us, it's complicated, but yet simple. It's one of those things like it's mm-hmm. like. Uh, but I definitely agree with you. Economics plays a huge part of it. Wherever you have yeah. par- poverty, you have violence. So, um, so, so for us as a community, when you create laws, so, so for example, like the war on drugs, that you know, and you have a, a disparity of like how do you how do you give mandate sentences to one community, and you don't give yeah. mandate uh, mandatory sentences for another community for the same. I guess metabolically the same drug <laughs> between crack yeah. and, and powder, a hey, you know yeah. so it's racist but also economic, um, especially mm-hmm. when you add privatized prisons. So it's it's a lot of layers to that. Um, mm-hmm. But then when you look at the numbers of mass incarceration at the group that it that it impacts the most, then you start to see where it's racist. Um, yeah. So so those are some good books that I thought you you mentioned. Um, Kendrick, mm-hmm. I had a question for you, brother. Like if you had to uh-huh. give if you had to give one book or one movie that you could that you would say man i need you to watch this or read this if you oh, if that's all man. if that's all you could do just one outside of the bible right because the bible is the source right but if you right, had right. one one other book that talks about this holiday of justice and and uh kind of the things that we're dealing with in our world what, what would you say oh man that's hard uh that's real hard uh well you know you said movie too so i think uh I think a good movie would be, since it's new and easily defined, probably Just Mercy. Uh, mm-hmm. Good one. That's recently a good watched one. Yeah. the movie, and I think it. The reason I think it's relevant is because it's more modernized than, say, like a Selma film that yeah. can yeah. give someone the uh, validation of saying, "Okay, well, that's over now." Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, it's in the 90s, it was like eighties, nineties. Yeah, eighties, nineties. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's not as far back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. So I probably would, I mm-hmm. probably would go. I'm a big fan of I'm not your Negro. I think that's <laughs> I think James Baldwin is really cool, but it would either have to be that one or thirteen. I think thirteen is probably more, a little bit more current. Uh-huh. Uh, thirteen. So yeah, I probably yeah. would go with thirteen. All right. Uh-huh. So those are some good those are some good resources. Um, I know you talked about it. I think we mentioned. I think you guys typed them out on the uh, on the pot on the um, yeah. on the service thing, so we'll be sure yeah, to keep yes. those out there. And then uh, Bradley had an article. It's not a book, but Anthony Bradley also had an article called "Oh, the, the Great, Great Commission. Commission Christianity." Mm-hmm. Something like it keeps blacks away from white evangelicalism, or something like that. But it's the Great <laughs> Commission Christianity, and and so he's pushing. I'm, I'm, I'm think how to say this. His article is important. We should read it. I don't think I agree 100%, you know, because we're a Great Commission church. So I, I would say Great Commission Christianity should push us to um, uh, the way a buddy of mine says it is, you know, take off the old man, put on the new man. It should push us to transformation, to life change, to mm-hmm. fruit, to good works, mm-hmm. to caring for our neighbors. Um, but it has, I think Bradley's on to something really important that when you've got a, a gospel-focused kind of evangelicalism 
that grows among the middle class and the wealthy, it's out of touch with suffering. And that's, mm. I think that's the most helpful yeah, point of history. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the hardest part for me when I try to reconcile what, I don't want to say that's an excuse, but when I try to reconcile those ideas, yeah. like with the Great Commission, teach says like, you're going to go and do, you know, do all of this, but you're going to make disciples and teaching them according to yeah. like what the commands I've given you. And so yeah. it's so many commands of Jesus. And <laughs> so it's like a right. few of them are love your neighbor, you know, as you love yourself. So, yeah. so it removes it kind of, to me, it kind of removes the excuse because preaching the gospel is not just theoret theoretical. It's not just, let me give you these points and then yeah. you believe, or you have a profession of faith and that's it. Preaching the gospel or making disciples is actually teaching someone how to follow the commands of Christ. Like, yeah. and part of that is taking care of people. So, so it's, to yeah. me, it's like really odd that we can separate it because the Great Commission doesn't separate it. So I don't yeah. really understand that. Yeah, and I think he's, yeah. Go ahead, Kendrick. I was... Go ahead, Kendrick. I, I, no, I think it's interesting that, because going back to you talking about how big of an economic issue it also is, um, with helping people and giving them the gospel. I think um, I had a situation that was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, so in Colleen, in front of HEB, uh, if you go early enough, you can see a ton of mattresses and individuals that are homeless sleeping in front. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times people would go and just dump clothes or dump food and then they would leave. So and uh, the Colleen Police Department started putting out warnings to them that if you guys keep trashing the area, then, you know, the private owner is, uh, I don't I don't want to use the word threatening, but mm -hmm. advising that he will, uh, I guess, have to, you all have to vacate the premises. Mm -hmm. And so um, some friends of mine went and tried to do an initiative to help clean up. And we were talking to an individual and, um, he says, uh, well, my friend, I'll say his name, Lavala says, what's the big, uh, biggest thing that you all need? And he said, we need people to preach the gospel to us that don't see us as mission work only, that will view us as disciples, yes. even even though we're poor. And yes. I think it broke my heart a lot because when mm -hmm. I, a lot of times I think of evangelism, I think, okay, I have to go to the bad side of town and mm -hmm. and do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said a lot of the people that I meet that um, I guess I want discipleship from, they don't live on my side of town typically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they are, it's not that they're rude and mean, but they don't, they don't feel safe coming over here. They don't understand coming over here on this side of town. Thank you. And um, mm -hmm. one of the things that, that he said was, we're still human, but greater than that, we still belong to God. And mm. so I think even Amen. in Christian Amen. circles, sometimes we can economically look at people as just this number or just a situation. Yes. And yeah. um, even in discipling them can be a thing. So I asked him, if you want to be a disciple, how can you be a disciple without an address or anything like that? He's like, man. Uh, I can give someone my schedule. Every day I sleep here, I walk here for a shower. <laughs> nice, I nice. go walk at the park, and I'm right. like, oh, man, mm. it's so kind of broke my heart because even as a Christian, uh, me examining, like, your first point you were saying on Sunday, how um, 
healing uh like humbles the strong mm-hmm. and i think uh to that first point it made me think a lot about man you know what like there's a lot of things i think i'm good at or i may be okay with absolutely like, that i have to say pray oh man am i am i contributing to any sort of division even if mm-hmm. it's not racial Mm, uh, yeah. if it could be economic. And I think yeah, that, yeah, that you yeah. all are pointing that out is a great, great point because that is such a prominent uh, issue in our community as well. Absolutely. Is that those who are in a different economic status also belong to God. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that so, you brought that together, man. I'm sorry, go ahead, sir. Go ahead, Fast. I was just going to recommend one more book. Sorry. Uh, but I think we need, I think we got a lot of learning to do right now. So that's why I'm pushing out a lot of books uh, is... When Helping Hurts by Brian Fickert. And mm. in that book, he really makes that point, Kendrick, that you just made. Like, they're made in the image of God. I have I have something to learn from the homeless man. Yes. I have something to learn from uh, my neighbor that's from a different country. You know, like, we need to not have the, you know, in race terms, sometimes they call about the white savior complex. Or, yeah, a patern- a paternalism. or maybe, like, <laughs> yeah. economic, you know, yeah. like. Y'all are middle class and you don't need to have the middle class savior complex with poor people or, you right. know, whatever it is. Like we can always have the savior complex. We're like, I, I kind of got it figured out and you're, you're kind of messed up. So you need to listen to me right. so I can fix you. You know, um, we may have the hope of the gospel, but we still have things to learn from someone that's made in the image of God. Absolutely, and, uh, man. And that's, that's a tricky, oof. tricky line to walk as human man. beings. We always, we always take on pride. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I I love that. I mean, I just love what you said, Kendrick. It's so powerful because I've seen people like even when you drive and you see homeless people just like dump money on them or anything and and don't even have a conversation. Um, You know, I know we've tried our best in situations like that to to pull over, get out of the car and like go talk to them um, and just have a conversation and just get to know them. And, and, you know, we don't always do that well, but that's, that's definitely something that we always are keen, are keenly aware of. So thank you for mentioning that. And you had a good segue into the first point. It took us a while to get here, but our first point is, <laughs> is healing, healing humbles the strong. So heal, healing humbles mm-hmm. the strong. So, uh, Dave, you, if you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about these couple of verses that you, that you talked yeah. about here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the part where Jairus, the synagogue ruler, throws himself at Jesus' feet. And so I was really trying to get us to think in terms of humility and prayer. I was trying to weave those together with the image of this guy throwing himself at Jesus' feet. So he was a, I talked about he was an important person. He would have been like a business leader, wealthy man that helped set up the synagogue. So roughly similar to how we have churches sometimes where we'll have like a trained preacher who's the maybe education leader of the church like myself maybe some kind of CEO role, but you've also typically got business leaders, finance leaders in the community that help kind of set it up, right? And mm. uh, that was very common in their culture. So they'd have the rabbi that could teach, they'd have the synagogue ruler or president who was like an important rich businessman. And so that's who this guy is. He's he's like the bank president or, you know, the chairman of the board type guy, CEO, and he is throwing himself at Jesus' feet. Jesus is a, a peasant from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, mm. he's from the, the, the more uh, blue-collar uh, Galilee area. Mm. And we understand Jesus, at least his dad, to have been a, a stonecutter or a carpenter or some kind of builder, construction worker. Um, so Jesus is 
is standing there and this guy's throwing himself at his feet. And I was just trying to use that image and say, Hey, that's, that's what should happen in our life. We recognize like, uh, how much we still need. We recognize how broken we are. You know, um, me personally, as, as we face these great issues in our country, my first thought, cause I'm a problem solver and a leader is, okay, what's the agenda? How am I going to fix this broken world? <laughs> and then I have to be like, Oh no, no, I can't. Like, I don't, I have to throw myself at Jesus's feet. Um, I'm broken. My world is broken. Jesus, please help me. So I, I was trying to really push us towards that personal surrender to Jesus. Yeah, yeah I, um, I just want to add one thing. Then I'll get you. I'll go to you, Kendrick. Uh, the thing that got me about this is is you have this ruler, like you said, this authority figure. And when I think about it in modern times, is this one of those things that you, you know you can have a lot, but mm. it's really it's really to one of those things that when it hits you personally. So when it, with this guy, his only daughter of 12 years, 12 years of age, once that happened, it woke him up and it mm-hmm. was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I need, I need Jesus. So mm-hmm. it gives a level of like, if we can, if we can enter into this scripture, I believe it allows us to have empathy before the fact. A lot of times it mm-hmm. takes almost, it takes something to happen to us personally for us to mm-hmm. actually garner up this empathy when we get into other situations. But if we were to, but if we were to look at this and humble, like you said, it could humble us to know like when it hits us personally, it hurts. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. when we see our brother or sister who is hitting them personally, we should mm-hmm. think about this and enter into that experience with them, knowing how much this can impact us. And we should mm-hmm. be falling on our face to the savior along with our brother and sister. So this, this impacted me a lot. Um, because it's to see, I, I, you can see this today, man. You can see this today. So, Kendrick, what are some of your thoughts um, about this scripture? I know you mentioned a little bit before, but do you have any more more thoughts about this? Oh, uh, man, this this impacted me, too, in an intellectual way because I, like, typically take a lot of, I guess you could say, pride in the amount of research I do on the topic, especially mm. before I speak on it. And mm. so usually once I'm up to bad on a conversation about something i already feel like i got it you know because i've done (laughs) all this research like i know what i'm talking about um and i think what you said about okay god i think i'm right Mm -hmm. um on this matter but change my heart if i'm not like really struck home with me because Mm -hmm. usually i i try to be pretty balanced i try to get a lot of research about a topic like racism Mm. or Mm -hmm. uh, economic status prison reform something like that and then i take a stance and i'm like okay this is it i've done my research i've even since prayed about it i'm here now and uh immediately i got home and i was like man you know what like i let me pray this prayer real quick because (laughs) even even with that amount of research um it's it's just I could still be wrong for something yes, like this. Yes. It's not enough to like study for 10 hours and think I own the world of information. It's, mm. it's bad. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not good. It's not showing a ton of love to my neighbor from taking mm-hmm. that stance. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I did was I reached out to someone that we had a conversation earlier that I just kind of was like, oh, you're not even prepared to have a conversation with me. <laughs> you don't even know the basic things that I'm talking about. And, mm. I apologize and was like, mm. look, brother, like I just you just talk and let me hear what you're what you're trying to say. And um, 
I think it impacted me in that way that, man, like, this, that way, it can affect me as far as loving my neighbor. Yes, um, man. Um, mm. uh, and then James uh, 4 talks about, like, God resists the proud. Mm. Know, he exalts the humble. And mm. I was just like, man, he, the individual I'm talking about, he didn't have the, I guess you can say, research that I had done on the topic, but mm-hmm. he had the heart. And, mm. man. That comment struck me as good. That was probably my favorite comment from the whole sermon. I think yeah. I'm right about this, God, but I could be wrong. Come on, show me. Just That's to be right. fair, that was Philip Holmes' quote. It <laughs> was not Dave McMurray. So hey, so hey, plug, that. plug, plug. Yeah. And I, I get uh, just to piggyback off of that real quick before we, uh, um, actually about the application, Dave. Is one thing mm-hmm. I love about these stories is that they become so simplistic. It's, it's a, there is no, it's not a lot of like a peripheral type of nonsense mm-hmm. around it. You know, you have a 12-year-old daughter who's dying. You don't know why she's dying. You don't know if it was because of her own sin. You don't know if it was because of some disease. You have no idea what it is. So the only thing you're left with is this girl is dying and I need help. Mm -hmm. So you just, you simplify it so much that you Mm -hmm. remove all of the nonsense. So then we put it in modern day. Wouldn't it be so wonderful if we could do the same? That it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter all of these peripheral things. You're hurting. You're in need. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm focused on. I don't. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be left. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right. It, none of that matters. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. love how simple uh, the Word of God like has these stories, and I think that humbles us too. So mm-hmm. thank you for mm-hmm. that. And going to your application, you have a couple of them. Well, actually, I think you have what three of <laughs> three <laughs> three of them. So you yeah, have, you I have made about, it like three, but really yeah. they're all the same thing. It's yeah. all pray. COVID, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pray, pray, pray. Yeah. <laughs> you you kind of give some, uh, I guess, some examples of like COVID broke me. Uh, yeah. Racial tension broke me. Yeah. I know it's broken me. Um, um, yeah. Have I hit rock bottom? No, I got a long way to go. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> throw yourself at Jesus' feet. So, yeah. So pray, pray, pray. And I like what you said. They Even for us who who struggle with what's going on uh, as for African-Americans, you said, mm-hmm. look, man, don't forget about prayer. So that stuck with me as well. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I can find myself getting so caught up that that yeah I may fail mm-hmm. to do that as frequently as I would like. So thank you for that. Mm. Well, thank you, Philip, too, for just that was a really timely word. I appreciate his encouragement. He's Philip is a, a brother that's come and preached for us maybe like five times now. He's he's come quite a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, his father-in-law is Vody Bakum. Who's kind of considered one of the his father-in-law is Vody Bakum. His yeah. father-in-law is Vody Bakum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so, wow, Vody So it's an interesting tension oh, where man, I... people will <laughs> <laughs> people will send. I think he said this on Facebook. So I think this is public. I mean, he said this to his. I think he's got a lot of friends. Anyway, uh, people will assume there's more division than there is. You know what I mean? Like That's so, Vody's some of the stuff Vody says in sermons are maybe not as mm, I don't know I'm trying to, I don't know how to even summarize all this anyway everybody has their own opinions mm. and their family and they love each other but they don't agree on everything let's just put it that way they don't, yes, they don't yes, agree yes. on everything I could definitely see how agree, they would disagree they probably agree more than you would think they would you know what I mean yes and absolutely so he was absolutely. talking about how Vody's sermons get thrown out by folks that think we shouldn't talk about racism is like kind of like mic drop here you go this is what Vody said yeah. Listen yes, him. you shouldn't be talking about this. I can't He's tell like, you how many inbox I've had with Vody. Yeah, yeah. but go ahead. And I don't even <laughs> know if that's always Vody's point. I, I mean, I think Vody is strongly worried about 
Marxism taking over the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a very valid worry about a heresy taking mm-hmm. over the church. I think he's yeah. he should be worried about that. Yeah. I think he goes I think he goes a little too far sometimes, but um but he loves Jesus and <laughs> he does. Passionate about uh, Jesus, man. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think it's like it's just fascinating to hear these different voices, like I said. So Yeah. Phillips more a little more middle maybe middle ground on this, like, hey, we gotta see both sides of it. Yeah. I'm um, I'm with Philip. But yeah, but his father-in-law might be a little more um, watch out for the, you know, yeah. the extreme. And he has, stuff. I think Vody, what I do love about Vody is that he has a heart for multiculturalism. Like he, yeah. he truly has a heart for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go, uh, I find myself in the middle because I've seen, so part of his, some of his, um, I guess some of his assertions I agree with because we've actually lived it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we I just don't come to the same conclusion. Um, like, for example, he said he loves multicultural church. So he purposely went to a uh, um, predominantly white church to mm-hmm. ingratiate his family there because a lot of white pastors were telling him, what do we do to to integrate ourselves more in the, with the black community? So he mm-hmm. said he was going to pull himself out of a black church and move mm-hmm. into a predominantly white church. And he got it took a lot of flack for that. Um, I know me and Tiz kind of did the same thing, but however, mm-hmm. we, we, but we, I just don't come to the same conclusion as like, like removing yeah. myself from the black churches that, that, that much. Cause I do think it's a, it's a layer, level of like, we have a lot of theological problems and sometimes in our black church. So we do need to be there. And I think that it's a level of like kind of partnering with churches. I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I love Vadi. I respect him a lot. I may not agree with everything, but so I thank yeah. you for that. Um, for, uh, yeah. kind of like deciphering that because as blacks we're not monolithic like we don't think the same yeah. we don't think the same yeah so, 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 yeah, that's, so, so, and that's the problem so, with so. Bodhi's sermons being weaponized it's yeah like, see yeah, See, this not. is what a black guy thinks. Right. Everybody should agree with him. Well, you if know? you look on his comments, you're not going to find a lot of black people. But that's another side thing. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, 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 but no, Vody, I love uh, Philip. Philip's wife, Jasmine, Vody's daughter, wrote uh, a book called what is it? Uh, Mother to Son. Oh, wow. That's also a book that's been getting a lot of attention lately. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I love his, I love his uh, sermons on the family. <laughs> Whoa, man, his sermons on the family are awesome. I, I love those a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so so your next point, man, your next point is healing is for outcasts. Healing out is for outcasts. And um, so if you wanna you wanna talk about this one, uh, kind of like you, this is the one about the about the lady who touches the the hem of mm-hmm. his garment. Is um, the, for yeah. uh, for us, I just wanna let you know, and I know Kendra can attest to this. Man, we use this scripture a lot in the black church. Um, it's one of our favorite ones. So, but I love your exposition of this because I've heard it chopped up. So, can you please kind of tell us like your thoughts about this? Ah, we have well, songs. Uh, we have everything about this. We're going. <laughs> well, Leviticus 15 was a cross reference that she was cut off from worship. So this this disease was considered unclean in the, you know, the ceremonial clean laws. Um, but there's hope and kind of prophecy of redemption in Isaiah 56, where Isaiah says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Um, so that's the like every that. nation in the world, not just yeah. Jews. And then verse eight, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. So even within Israel, the outcasts like this unclean woman, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. So here's this prophecy that Isaiah is laying out. Isaiah is this awesome book that points so clearly to Jesus that, that Jesus fulfills in so many ways. Um, and then here's Jesus living it out. Jesus is gathering them to himself. Jesus is the new temple, he tells us. And so 
his house, Jesus is the place of prayer. Jesus mm. is, and this is uh, subsumed into the church. As we belong to Jesus, then we are the place of prayer. We are the place of gathering all people. And so we've talked about that a lot, how you know, that's our prayer for Grace Bible Church, that it would look more like the heavenly vision. Mm. So we know we're headed to perfect diversity. <laughs> and so we're fighting for gospel diversity now, you know, trying to like build that and grow that now. Mm. Um, because, yeah, Jesus is for everyone. Uh, whether that's a racial difference, you know, Isaiah kind of hits on it both sides, outcasts and all people. He's kind of that's kind of like an ethnic way of looking at it and a um, maybe socioeconomic or unclean way of looking at it either way, no mm -hmm. matter what. No matter what makes you feel like an outsider, the gospel is for you. And I was trying to really press it mm -hmm. in that direction. But like, reach out for him, you know, like she was scared to death because <laughs> she Ooh. was not. Her society said, don't touch him. Don't be close to anybody. Don't touch anybody. And she right. reached out. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's a real that dares us to reach out to Jesus. So Kendrick, kind of like what, what were your thoughts about this, about this block right here? Whew. I know. I, I know, man. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, this one was. Uh, I, I like that you use the, the that story in particular mm. um, because it's like, well, she did. She broke a, a, a few of the normal um, social rules to to get to Christ, and um, without like trying to insert ourselves into. Please don't, uh, please don't, yes. <laughs> without trying to insert ourselves into the scripture, um, just seeing that, uh, how we're encouraged to come to Christ, uh, I guess no matter our issue that we have, um, is a big thing that's preached in like what Elliot was saying, uh, like predominantly black churches. And that like we just want to push to push to Jesus' garment and like creating the whole uh, a whole story, uh, whole another story <laughs> separate from that topic at hand. Right. Um, but I think the simplicity of that is like daring us to reach out to Jesus, like you said, is for me that was interesting because we live in a society like no matter our racial background where. It's become an outlaw to dare to reach out to Jesus, and mm. especially during the tension that we have now in our world, whether mm. it be racial injustice, whether it be mm. COVID, whether it be prison reform, like mm -hmm. to 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 dare to try to reach out to Jesus or to introduce the gospel into these social issues mm. is like forbidden. Like, how mm. dare you mention Christ when the world is hurting? Uh, mm. So it actually encouraged me to do so. Um, mm. Absolutely. More than ever, um, yeah. not to not to abolish or put aside the hurting, but mm -hmm. to uh, recognize their hurt and still dare to introduce Jesus mm -hmm. um, and, and realize that he's the he's the final comforter in our hurt. So mm -hmm. I was I was encouraged by this. Mm. Uh, uh, the second point, just just for that reason. Yeah, awesome. I think for for me, uh, it made me think of. Uh, babe, you know, I've talked to you a lot about this. Uh, about like, you know, I have a heart for marginalized people groups. Uh, yeah. So for me, this hit home because I always see the church as this as this place that everyone is there. Like you said, all the nations, but not only ethnicity, 
but the disabled, the disenfranchised, the ones that are considered outcasts by society and all those yeah. things, um, which is why I love Celebrate Recovery, because typically mm. people will say, well, they're, 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 I don't really need that. Those people need that. And, and mm. I'm like, well, you're, you're those people, too. We're all of those people. We're, we're all, all disenfranchised. Cool. Yeah. We're all outsiders. Like we are. So, yeah. so for me, yeah. you know, and I just out my prayers that we all that we move as a body to break down those those stigmas and and just no matter what they are socioeconomic, racial, uh, physical, it doesn't matter because you see that in society. But I, I just man, my prayer is always that the church is the model of what right looks like, what loves look like, and so I love I love this. And you can see them even giving her a little pushback. And she's like, man, <laughs> because people is always yeah. trying to push, you know, push you away. But and yeah. so I, I love, you know, that, that Jesus, this story is just so profound. Um, and I think the the big takeaway for me is just the, like you said, the disenfranchised, the outsider, the everyone mm-hmm. belongs to Jesus. Everyone yeah. has the ability to to be to enter in and to then be sisters and brothers. So yeah. it doesn't matter what you are. So you you may be the president yeah. or the the mayor, but you are brother mm-hmm. to the homeless. Yeah. That's your yeah. brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really I love matter. Jesus says daughter. Yes, that's, so that's ter- your daughter. She's so terrified. That's, your, like that's his daughter. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. The God of the this universe, was, man. This made me raise a question yeah. of like, uh, like how possible is it that the church and, and trying to find our place in social issues, mm. um, how, how possible is it that we are, in a way, like keeping people from coming to Christ, be, keeping people from reaching out to Christ by not trying to insert ourselves um, mm. to into certain, I guess, social issues. So, for example, um, like. Uh, I'll use one that everybody's pretty comfortable with as Christians seems to be like abortion. <laughs> I think we're like we're we're all, all right, we can talk about that we one. Can talk about yeah, that we can one. talk about that <laughs> Like for abortion, uh, yeah. I think most of us are against abortion and mm-hmm. one of the things that I know, uh, I, I don't personally but I know a lot of people that would go to like Hope Pregnancy Center and they uh-huh. will grieve and they will um, share these hurts with a lot of individuals and, and that's a way that they can also bring them, you know, to Christ. So, um, yeah. I guess my question for you, David, to be, um, as we're trying to find our place in this, mm-hmm. do we have a certain responsibility in making sure that we are out of the way, uh, mm. I guess you can say of Jesus and, yeah. and pointing hurting people back to him and instead yeah. of telling hurting people that if they had Jesus, they wouldn't hurt. Like, yeah. Mm. Oh my God. I guess mm. got a lot to That's say about that. That's <laughs> complicated. So, so you're saying, I, I feel like it can go both ways. So my brain is like bouncing back and forth. Like we can either rush too quickly to solve the problem without talking about Jesus. Yeah. That's one problem. Yeah, the other way problem. is we don't, we don't enter into messy things where people need help. So they. The people with the mess never hear about Jesus. Which are you talking about? One or the other? B, second one. A B, B. Yeah, second okay. one. Okay, got it, got yeah. it. So yeah, so as as we avoid messy problems, that's a whole class of people, people with messes that are not getting Jesus. And I think that's what Bradley was hitting on. Again, I th- I think he, I think he went overboard on his picking on the phrase Great Commission and on the text about the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight. I think he, 
kind of got a little distracted on that. But his overall point, I think, was what you're just saying, that we, if we build churches among the middle class and the wealthy, we're only going to evangelize among the middle class and the wealthy. <laughs> you know, like if that's what we do, that's who we're going to be. So in my own journey, I grew up in Temple and moved to Harker Heights, and then we planted a church in Colleen. And so in Bell County, there's a difference socially between Temple Belton and Harker Heights, Colleen, right? Like they're, they're different kinds of towns. Like Correct. Harker Heights, Colleen is much younger and much more diverse, and there's much more social upheaval and more problems. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't have problems like that in Temple Belton, but Temple Belton is a little bit wider, not a whole lot, but a little bit wider, a little bit more upper class, a little more, more retired, a little older, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're just kind of different kinds of communities. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we've, it's our church, which is a daughter of Temple Bible Church, is different because of where it is, because <laughs> we're in Colleen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Mm-hmm. But we still realize, man, we're still we're still on the nice side of Queen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you still on. Yeah, yeah. I still live in Harker Heights, and the church is still yeah. in the nice part of Queen. You know, so like, there's still this like, there's still layer. There are always layers to it, and realizing, oh, okay, there are more people that we're not reaching. How do we reach them? How do we get to know them? What what does that look like? What's what's realistic? Yeah, um, yeah. we've done tons of work over the years, all over the city. You know, we've done work downtown at the boys and girls club. But then it's like, how do we, how do you stick those relationships if you don't actually live there and you don't really know, you know, like you work with these kids for a week. And so then our youth group started coming back and doing mentoring in downtown Colleen. But still it was like kids that live 15 miles away, mentoring kids in another town or another neighborhood. You know, it's like, it's just hard to, with a lot of these issues, it's hard to build sustainability as Christians, you have to be very, int- you have to be incredibly intentional. Uh, yeah, yeah it yeah. takes, a, I think when I think about this, Kendrick, man, to your, to your point, uh, the thing that, that I guess that bothers me a lot when you say getting in the way, I think a lot of times it's, it's still, I go back to preaching the gospel and that's it. Like you just give a message, but then at the same time, I still think it's a disconnect between like behavior and like compassion. So like the one who has an abortion, it's like, yeah, I believe abortion is wrong. But how often do you do someone thinks, well, how does she even get there? How mm, how yeah. what conditions were set in her life that could get her to that point? Like what yeah. what what brought it to this and have compassion? Uh, literally, it's yeah. always is always is most of the time it's just that's wrong. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, it's wrong. But yeah. but can you think I mean, can you just we, we have no idea how this person got there. And if we were to stop and ask and stop and and just have a conversation or share life with this person, you don't you would never agree that that was the right outcome or or she's thinking about it, that she should be thinking about it. But at the same time, you would be able to understand and empathize with her. Um, The same thing goes with a number of other uh, situations to include race, to include social economics. Even when we talk about black on black crime, my first my first uh, response is, have you ever thought to ask why? Why mm-hmm. is violence so prevalent in that community? Mm-hmm. Why, what are conditions that are set? What are the things that people are dealing with? Before you mm-hmm. throw out a statistic, think of why. And I think that's a level of compassion that comes along with the gospel. You know, God so loved the world. You know, Christ yeah. did all these things out of compassion. And mm-hmm. we have, I think if we're rooted in that, then the gospel yeah. is going to come forth in our speech and our action. 
But if yeah. we're just 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 saying a message or just doing some like uh, like we talked about before, like white savior or paternalism, mm-hmm. where we're just giving some goods or we're just giving this and we're walking away, then yeah. that's not really a lot of compassion. That you know, yeah. that's mm-hmm. just trying to fix something, and that's just not how that's just not how yeah. the gospel is presented. Well, uh, something that I thought was really helpful in Brian Fickert's book, When Helping Hurts, is he's like, keep doing stuff. Yes. Even though you want to get better at it. Right. And that's been really encouraging to me because I've tried so many things in my life that have just failed miserably. Hey, keep keep <laughs> like, trying. Keep trying. You just got to keep going. You know, yeah. we, we helped start a school and this was my big picture. Like, I kind of grew up poor middle class and didn't know a lot of really, really poor people. So I thought I understood what it meant to be poor because we were the poor kids in the nice neighborhood. My folks got divorced. So it was like wealthy family. Then my folks split up and my mom stayed in that house she couldn't afford. And so we were like the poor kids in the nice house. You know, like so everybody around me was rich. So I thought that meant I knew what it meant to be poor, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as you grow up, you're like, oh, wait, no, there's a whole nother world out there. I don't understand at all. You know, like I I have just a lot of ignorance about what it's like. So back to the school thing, we started the school with a part time schedule and there was really this genuine hope inside me like, okay, it won't be this ritzy private school just for rich kids because it'll be a part time school. So, you know, lower income families can afford to send their kids there. And we we did have some of that that took place. Mm-hmm. But I've talked to Ellie about this. Um, like, I just didn't realize that if you're poor, it doesn't even enter your universe to pay for a private. Absolutely like, not. Like, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you would never even think of it. Right. So, like right. Absolutely. Saying, it's a little cheaper. A little mm-hmm. cheaper is not that's not really doing it, you know. And so right. but that was an example of. I still think it's a good school and we've done good things and and I think they've got a scholarship fund established. I know they have a scholarship fund established now and they're they're trying to help more impoverished families, but uh but but basically it was just for, you know, maybe middle class or or you know, wealthier families because right. that's just how our society works. If you're going to pay for school, you're you're in a different uh st- you know, stratosphere or whatever. Absolutely. Um but that was just pure ignorance on my part. I was like, ooh, it'll be a bargain. So we'll yeah. attract poor people. Well, no, no. Like, <laughs> we, people don't care we about had, a bargain. Hey, Kendrick, we, we had that conversation. And I was like, Dave, nobody's going to pay. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, us brothers yeah. ain't, single moms ain't doing that, man. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and part of it, too, was like, we we really believe, we believe public education is is great and awesome and have lots of friends that are involved in it. We also believe, it's ultimately a parent's responsibility. You know, like it's right. your job to educate your child and yeah. you can either use this or this, so, yeah. you know, like you get to make the choice, but you're the one in charge. Sure. And so that's kind of a homeschooling type mm-hmm. mindset. That's not like homeschooling is the only way, but, but kind of a homeschooling foundation of the parents in oh. charge. Mm-hmm. And so we also thought this school would help get more people into that. And, and it did somewhat, but again, I've talked to Elliot some, he's like, yeah, there's, there's uh, folks, whether black or white, but just, a lot of folks that are like, this that's, is not gonna, that then, makes no sense at I all. Also, like, they can't even imagine homeschooling. Like, it's it's like in another universe. I had a question for you, Dave. Uh, I, I, I guess I don't mean, well, I guess I do mean to put you on the spot. But but whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh, your, in your homeschool, how how many, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any small percentage that are single mothers? Or is this predominantly like families, uh, like married uh, families? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason, yeah, only reason why I ask question. that is because in our community, we have a very low marriage rate. 
Um, yeah. um, and we have a lot, a high single parent rate. Um, so that is, that is another dilemma as far as like, this is such a great model, but it's like the time for single moms, it's, it's almost nearly impossible, um, yeah. to, for them to, for them to actually take that time to, to have that type of schedule. And so, yeah, um, so that's, that's been very few. I don't know the numbers, but it right, has right. been very few. Right. And those families have been helped by their families. Correct. You know? I, was, so, I was just about to so say the like, relational it'll model. Be on our, us to do that. Yes. It'll be like on us he, to help families like do that. Yeah. And so our family helped a lot of, uh, both parents working families, right, right, you know, right, so right, they right. weren't single parent, but both were working. So, and you know, schedule wise, it ends up being similar, similar. in the sense that yeah. you can't have someone staying home. So our family has helped some of those families and come alongside them and kind of shared, mm. you know, helping out, giving rides, having the kids at our house, you mm. know, some of those home home days and stuff. See, so, but yeah, to your point, it's it's very rare. I yeah. thank you for your heart, you know, uh, for this, and I, I know um, I know Kendrick and I, I I'm speaking for him, but I, I'm oh, he's I know it's hard too, <laughs> but uh, but I know we would love to talk to you more, you know, about it. Like if you know, for any more ideas that you may have yeah. just from our perspective to give you any more wisdom or insight into our community yeah. to kind of further yeah. your, uh, further your cause, um, and your, just your hope. Yeah. So, yeah. so moving to our third point before, so we can get out of here is our third point is yeah, yeah. <laughs> healing. Healing seems absurd. So healing seems absurd. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. was a great one. So if you can, yeah, I don't know how much time we have, but if you could, t- <laughs> if you could talk to us about this and then, yeah. and then we can wrap it up. So Jesus gets there too late, right? <laughs> um, if I was a better preacher, I'd make something out of that, you know. Like Jesus is never too late or something. He may like not come when you want him. Yeah, he may not come when you Kendrick, want Kendrick, we could take this to the church, brother. Rhetorical <laughs> <laughs> uh, coaching. I need to, yeah, i got to have some better phrases. We can go in so. on this. <laughs> but, uh, so he seemed like he was too late. They laughed at him. They're like, nope, she's dead. And, uh, so we're in a, I made the point, culturally, we're in an age that that seems extra ridiculous. But to be fair, ancient people knew that dead people didn't come back from the dead. You know, that's one of my pet peeves is we think we're so right. smart because we have iPhones and that they were stupid and they believed everything. They were gullible. Like, no, they weren't. They, they knew death better than we did. You know, like we're kind of, we live kind of separated from death because we have all these professionals that come in and, and clean up the mess usually. Right. Uh, so they, they understood death way better than we did. And they laughed. And I was just trying to push that, man, what, what is it that we think is, is absurd and is impossible? Mm-hmm. Um, again, trying to apply it to our day and time. Maybe it's the cure of, of the cancer that we have uh, or yeah. a disease or an ailment we have. But it might be um, the bigger miracles of living out the fruit of the Spirit. You know, It might be the bigger miracle of seeing someone converted to Christ who does not believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's the miracle of, of harmony. And I came back to the Romans, to the Romans yeah. 12 passage I'd hit the week before, like we are commanded to pursue harmony. We are commanded to listen to each other, to respect one another, to celebrate with those who celebrate, to grieve with those who grieve. We are commanded to do this. And our society is telling us, nope, you can't. Division, division, division. You're either on this side or that side. And I was like, man, we, 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 don't, we don't have to pick a side. Like we can love each other. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't have opinions either. You know, like that's the other extreme, like we're not allowed to have opinions and no one should vote, you know, <laughs> like, no, that's not what we're saying. Crazy. I'm saying get with your buddy that believes the opposite thing than you respect them, listen to them, pray with them, try to understand them. Um, 
just build harmony through love and respect, begin understanding each other. Because right now the culture, and I, I mean, this I know this sounds like conspiracy theory stuff, but there's really good evidence that Antifa and other terrorist groups are are escalating this racial tension, right? So yeah, absolutely. So there will be inner city blacks upset about an injustice, and then uh, white terrorist groups come in and and bomb and, uh, buildings blow things up. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, we we've seen good evidence of this happening yeah. mm-hmm. and and we know we've also got documented cases of of chinese and russian agents sowing discord online so like you know increasing divisive facebook posts and stuff and well thank god for black twitter yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so we are we are uh we're in a divisive age, and but we're commanded to love each other. So that that, that was the thing. I think I think healing, whether it's racial or healing division or even healing a physical ailment, it seems absurd, but but God can do anything, and we should step mm-hmm. out in faith by by the Spirit of Jesus. You know, abiding in Christ, trusting mm-hmm. Him, asking Him for help. Amen. Amen. Kendrick, did you have any thoughts about this point? Yeah, when you first said, uh, uh, "It seems absurd," I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, <laughs> And for me, I think one of the things was unity seems to be the healing it to me. That crazy. seems to be like so far fetched. I don't yeah. know if uh, you know, like if this yeah. is even something I should even worry about being a thing, or should yeah. I just try to live in harmony with those who completely disagree with unity or um, trying mm. to establish unity? Mm. But um, I, I think I've been encouraged that it's not absurd. I think. It's it's not as far fetched as we think. Even with like focusing on a lot of negativity of uh, division, because that's just that's just what sells as far as news goes, as far as outlet goes. That's what people want to see. But Mm -hmm. I think um, as I poke my head in my local community, I see a ton of unity, Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's encouraging Mm -hmm. too. And one one thing that I've realized is that, well, well, what I'll say, what made me feel that way was a lot of people who disagree with any stance I have on uh, racial injustice mm-hmm. that are Christians uh, typically hold to one specific mm-hmm. camp or like yes. one specific preacher. They're like. Mm-hmm. This preacher's the way, what he says. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, even before this, I've mm-hmm. just kind of heard people like, we're only listening to this guy. You know, like, <laughs> no, no real, real talk. He's the real official talk. word. He's, he yeah. is the gospel. My ears will only tingle with my <laughs> pastor and that man. You know, so, yeah. Uh, but I think um, what for me was encouraging to me was I was once in a way where I was like, oh, I'm only listening to this guy over here, yeah. like nobody yeah. else. And yeah. my heart quickly changed um, through prayer, honestly. Mm. And so I think I'm encouraged because I'm like, hold on, wait, like I'm not some sort of anomaly. Like God can change my heart through prayer, through like mm-hmm. sitting down and talking to others. He can surely yeah. do that to like, not to make it a health and wellness thing, but it's just that mm. not to put the emphasis on me, but God is able to, to help us, to give us grace, to establish mm-hmm. unity with one another, to live mm-hmm. peaceably with one another. So it does seem absurd uh, or crazy or so far-fetched, but like 
I think the more we pray for grace, the more we pray for God's help, um, that he will lead us in, in ways that seem so far that he will, or, uh, he will teach us how to establish unity. Um, mm-hmm. he will even give us peace of th- about things that may not be healed, like broken relationships mm. and how to forgive and, yeah. um, those sort of things. So, yeah, I think, uh, from my, from my perspective, I'm with every, I'm with everything you guys said for me, it's, uh, it's been like the Holy spirit work, my own personal experience, um, especially with dealing with this, these things, you know, I grew up in the hood. I, I rarely, you know, I saw, I was in honors classes. So I did, I had um, a few white people in those classes, but I didn't talk to them. So, um, it wasn't until I went into the military that I actually started having conversations with white when I was in basic mm. training, I met someone from South Dakota. I was like, what? I, I didn't even know. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I'm like, South Dakota? Like, I mean, and so, and then, and then she looked at me and she was like, I never met a black person. It was so weird. It was like, ah, uh, but so, so those is kind of like my experiences. So to, to see where God has brought me today, where I just think yeah. about our a meeting that Tish and I had with a, 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 some, some other Christians at our church about talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking of like, how we can I can have a conversation about this without getting offended, mm-hmm. man. I that never would have happened without outside outside of God, like yeah. and then being able to um, receive that information and be able to have grace and 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 explaining mm-hmm. positions. It only happens through God. It's, it, yeah. That's it. And so I think you said uh, said something similar about apart from from me, there you know you can't do nothing. Like when Jesus said yeah. abide abide in Jesus, uh, and yeah, in order yeah. to do this. Unity is the only can happen in the gospel, in my opinion. Um, you can have some false unity, but true unity can only happen in the gospel where all of these sides, you can get someone from the hood, you can get someone from, from upper middle class or, or something like that, and they can have a dialogue and actually love one another and actually and tear down barriers of politics, tear down barriers yeah. of classes, and actually hear one another and love each mm-hmm. other. And I, I experienced that over the weekend. And, and I know it was all God who, who did that, who was able to change. Even as I'm giving out information, my mind is changing to understand where other people are coming from. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I have to be right or I could be right. Yeah. But even, if I, even as I'm dialoguing, explaining my position, yeah. getting to hear their tension allows me to enter in their experience of like how they see mm. this. And that yeah. helps me and that humbles me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. and so this is, it definitely is absurd because it can't happen outside of, outside of the yeah. gospel. And uh, real quick, Dave, I think you highlighted a couple, a few uh, groups that do things well. And I appreciate that. You talked about mm-hmm. the soldiers, the medical workers, mm-hmm. the teachers, and even our, mm-hmm. our very own Kendrick in, in the community um, doing things. And, mm-hmm. and, and all, even those in foster care and all those type of things. So if you want to elaborate on, yeah. on some of your accommodations for people who are doing these things well. Yeah. So, I mean, we have, so here's the danger with, with preaching is we're calling people to the, to the mountaintop of perfection. Right. Um, and so, you know, one thing that we have to do when we're preaching the gospel is say, we'll only get there because Jesus, you know, died and rose for us. And so, because he loved us, we can love each other. So we can get to that mountaintop because of what he's done. So let's go. But the other thing is I I have to do a better job. And and this is what I was trying to do Sunday of saying, and here's where I already see it happening. You yeah, know, like yeah. some of y'all are already Celebrate. doing this. Right. And so like the three most common uh, workers in our church are uh, army, medical, 
and teachers. And all three of those are calling based vocations. You know, like you don't do any of those three without feeling like God has called you to make an impact, uh, healing the brokenness in the world. Soldiers have a high honor code of wanting to stop oppression, right? It's, it's typically outside of our country. They're going over there to stop oppression, you know, some other place, but they want to bring justice. They want to stop oppression. They're giving themselves to it. And there's all kinds of red tape and problems and brokenness, but the spirit of Jesus empowers them to keep going and keep being faithful. I see this with teachers too. So many broken things in the system. You know, we, like I said, we've done private school and homeschool stuff. We were also involved some, some in public schools as well. There's no silver bullet. I always say there's no silver bullet, you know, like there's no just like, bing, that solves it. There's, there's broken people walking by faith, by the spirit of Jesus, trying to help kids and educate the next generation facing all kinds of obstacles. Same thing with medical workers. You, you heal people, they come back sick again. You heal people, mm. they die a year later. You know, like it, it's only by the spirit of Jesus that we can keep going. Um, and then I also praise Kendrick and his, his, uh, and I don't even know what to call it. Your group, your <laughs> team. It's like a multi-church team of believers that have been working mm. Primary organization, I think, is Free My City, right? Is that the primary organization? There's yeah. kind of been some relational networks beyond that as well, but just sure. guys coming together saying, let's have you know a concert downtown. Let's have an open house forum talking to the police. Let's um, get to know our neighbors. Let's pick up trash. Like you were talking about picking up trash where the homeless uh, situation was out of control at the HEB. You know, they're just, mm-hmm. y'all have gone and met people, gotten to know the city, loved the city, connected people. And that's because you believe in Jesus, you know? So it's like all politics is local. There's all this division saying, you know, who are you going to vote for? And whichever side wins, that'll solve everything. Well, that's we know not, it won't solve everything, you know? Like, because neither one of them love Christ- our city, you know? Yeah. The, neither, neither party is Christian. No, it's not. Um, and so, <laughs> so you just do the best you can. But man, you got to love your local city. I also shared the story about my friend, I think, in a different part. A sermon. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine that fought corruption in his city, in another city, got involved in government. Uh, he's gotten really involved in the lives of his employees. He's a business owner, mm. broken people's lives. He's you know helped to take care of cousins that had struggled. So this guy is on the front lines helping people, but he's a diehard conservative. You know, like he's the classic mm-hmm. conservative that's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. suspicious of yeah. of all this stuff. So. So again, the media would say he's the kind of person that just wants to get rich and doesn't care about people. But like, yeah. no, he's he's doing it. Like he's right. he's loving people, serving people. He believes that that capital is gonna do a better job of giving people freedom. You know, a job is gonna give people more freedom than a program. You know, so like that's his mindset, and he's doing it. Like he's employing people, he's fighting that's corruption. Right. You know, um, but he had that gospel awareness of like, man, I still have a broken heart. You know, like I just still I still need to love people more. That's right, still my biggest right. problem. Like, mm. All these good things I've done. And uh, Foster Love Bell County is another organization I think I called out doing great work. Uh, oh, and Guatemala, 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 yeah. Guatemala too. Yeah. Um, so I just think we need to break the stereotypes, you know, like um, there's just so many ways that we think if you're on this team, you can't be on that team. You know, is, Kendrick cares about injustice, but I heard him make a post the other day about people starting their own businesses. Yes. Well, Kendrick, you know, you, you can't say both of those at the same time. That, because that's, that's a concern. If you care about injustice, you have to be a communist. You right. Right. believe in right. small businesses. Right. Well, I think, um, that's so, I, think that's, I think that's such a bad... I'm with you. Because yeah. I, I believe there's injustice. I believe there's systematic racism. But I also yeah. believe there's a problem with black-on-black crime and black families. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, like, you know... 
Like all it, of the it's, above. It's all of them. But sometimes I have mm-hmm. to target a certain issue just to make, <laughs> just to make sure people yeah. understand. But uh, so this month I'm all about education, and next month I'm going to be uh, uh, I'm talking about to our own people. But anyway, so um, so so oh. so I definitely want to uh, I uh, want to ask you. It was one more thing I wanted to ask you about this. Oh, we talked about caring for others, and uh, one thing I just want to add to that is is one guy that I really enjoy thinking about is. Obviously, John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, but mm. William Wilberforce was in politics. Mm. And, yeah. he, and, and, and John Newton told him not to get out of politics because William Wilberforce was like, I want to get out because I want to preach the gospel. And he was yeah. like, no, we need you to stay in politics. We have this slavery yeah. issue that only we, that God can use you. We need, and yeah. he, and William Wilberforce was like, well, how do I do politics and be a Christian? Because all these yeah. guys are corrupt. <laughs> you know it's not possible. It's right? not possible. And so <laughs> well, uh, John uh-huh. Newton was like, well, I'm going to mentor you. So, well, you can be an example of how to how to live a Christian life in politics. And uh-huh. he actually was the driving force behind abolishing slavery in Britain. So uh-huh. so uh, so I think that's a good practical life example of someone who lived that out, um, who mm-hmm. had tension, but also mm-hmm. uh, was encouraged and actually lived it out. So William Wilberforce yeah. is a good one. And my last one is the, is the soldiers. Uh, you know, when I was a soldier and I deployed to, to, to Afghanistan and Iraq and things like that. I never once thought about what the side, who side people were on back in the states. I, mm-hmm. I fought for a bigger principle, which was freedom, mm-hmm. the freedom from someone who acts who actually choose. <laughs> so, yeah. so we we fought for a bigger principle, and I say that to say that as Christians, if we can if we can be apolitical, where we kind of remove that <laughs> and fight for yeah. a bigger cause, which is the gospel, yeah. then mm-hmm. I think we go a long way. Um, yeah. So, so, it, so my last point is, is our last question is, do you, do you guys have any final thoughts that you want to get out before we um, wrap it out, wrap, wrap this up about uh, the King yeah. Hills? I, I would say we need to be concerned about policing and our prison system, but I'd say also don't forget to be relational and call any of the cops you know and say, how can I pray for you and help me to understand this from your perspective? Because we're going to, the only way we're going to reform policing well is if we actually know that police are real people that are trying to do the best they can, you know? So we got these cases of the bad ones and we got to reform the system and we got to like, you know, eliminate that. But, but like, these are real dudes out there, you know, that are scared, that are hurt, that are seeing you know, all the stuff on the news that's making them feel like, man, maybe I should just quit, you know, like maybe I should just be done. So that's one thing I would say is, is love, love the police that God's put around you. If you know any, if you don't know any, try to meet some and try to ask them questions, you know, this whole listening and learning thing, understand, okay, what are the pressures you face? What's your view of this? How did this happen? What, what, you know, what can be done to prevent it? What do you think can be done to reform the system? Because you're an insider, uh, so that would that'd be something I'd recommend just in our our Romans 12, you know, mm. celebrate with those who celebrate and cry with those who cry. I mean, they're Absolutely. they're struggling right now, too. Yeah, uh, big time. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll better understand how to vote and reform things if if we actually understand what it's like for them on the ground as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And I also had to say this is off topic. But thank you, <laughs> Elliot and Tish, for my granddad's shirt. My granddad's shirt. My yes, baby, yes. My grandbaby's visiting. So thank you. Awesome, awesome. Kendrick, do you have any final words? Yeah, I think the greatest uh, healing is is Jesus healing our hearts from mm. thinking that we don't need him, thinking that mm. we're not sinners and we don't need a savior. And, mm. and um, 
I would encourage uh, everyone to listen to the song. It's called A Heart That Forgives by Kevin LeVar, L-E-V-A-R. And um, without a specific topic, he has just almost made a song of lament for Mm. God to forgive him and grace him with a heart that forgives others for whatever reason. He didn't go into Mm. detail on this song. But it's yeah. just a song of lament that I want to be able to forgive. And his reason is because Christ first forgave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Amen. just what I'll end with. Mm. Amen. So, I, man, that's a really good point, brother. I guess mm-hmm. for, for me, my final point would be, um, obviously, is the gospel. And uh, I think of the Good Samaritan when I think about a lot of our racial tension is that the question that Jesus was tra- they was trying to trap him with was about the gospel, was about eternal life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, you know, asked him some questions, and it came back down to, do you love your neighbor? Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end, Jesus kind of flipped it to saying, basically, it's not— the na- it's not about who your neighbor is. It's about, are you being a good neighbor? <laughs> so, 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 so the question uh, when he asked about eternal life was actually, are you living that out? Are you being a good neighbor to, uh, are you loving your people? Well, and last time when I read the, when I read um, the great, the good Samaritan, he never asked that guy, well, whose side he was on, what he got into, how did he even get in this situation or his history? He just generously loved him and cared for him. While two religious people walk by, probably having their own thoughts as to why he was there. So I would say, uh, you know, take heed to that. Living, living the gospel is the most important thing. And when you enter these conversations, do your best to be apolitical and just think about the gospel. And in every position that you have, always ask why. Mm-hmm. Always ask why. Because that will give you the opportunity to have some deeper thought and to be empathetic once you start getting some answers. So that would be good. that would be my my take. So man, I thank I, I thank you, Dave, for your for your wisdom and for the Holy Spirit leading you and and you leading our yeah. church in this tumultuous time. <laughs> thank you, thank you. you. Appreciate yeah. you guys. I'm so, I'm just so thankful for y'all and just yeah, what we're sharing of like the Holy Spirit is active and we're learning, right? And we're learning from each other, um, and we don't have it all figured out. And yeah, I'm just thank- thankful for y'all's encouragement and all that you're teaching me. Yes, you are a courageous leader, brother. So thank you for being at the helm. Thank you, Kendrick, man, for all you do in our community and setting an example for all of us. And man, I'm sure the gang will be back next week. So hey, I'm, I'm thankful that we were able yeah. to do this. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe the B team will come back one day. But I- <laughs> no, no, y'all the B team, y'all the A team. And uh, y'all have a standing invitation. Yes, uh, sir. We always try to do the same week each week. I think the la- Joey said the last few weeks he's been over. Overwhelmed. That's right. why he's taking the week off. And he, like, I think, in, invited y'all at the last minute a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all were busy, so. Well, I know we, I know we went invited. over. I know we went over, but I think it was worth it. And so, Joey, yeah. please don't kill us. And so, uh, so, <laughs> so we love everyone, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure we'll be back. Obviously, we'll be back next week for Pastor Dave to give us more insight and for us to talk more. So we love you guys. Thank you, Grace Bible. And we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless. God bless.